0: Welcome back to Parcast Daily. This month we're featuring mini episodes from the female criminals special series Black Widows. Each day in June, Female Criminals is taking a closer look at the web of lies, deceit, and murder spun by some of history's most deadly women. Today we're discussing Belle Goonis, a clever woman who knew how to exploit insurance policies. You can check out more Black Widows episodes all month long by subscribing to Female Criminals. Listen free every day on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. In rural LaPorte, Indiana, the early morning hours were usually quiet as the grave. But before dawn on April 28, 1908, the silence was broken by a roaring inferno as it consumed a quaint, isolated farmhouse. The hungry flames made quick work of the building. By the time the town's residents noticed the fire, it was already far too late. The farmhouse had been completely destroyed. All that remained was a burned-out cellar, where an even more devastating scene awaited. Four charred bodies were found, a mother, Belle Gunness, and her young children, Myrtle, Lucy, and Philip, who was just five years old. It appeared the family had huddled together in their last moments, Belle trying, though unfortunately failing, to protect her babies from the blaze. Besides the obvious, there was something very disturbing about the tableau. The mother's body was missing its head. Soon, questions would swirl about whether the body really belonged to Belle Gunnis at all or if there was something far more sinister afoot. Welcome to Black Widow Watch. Like the deadly spider they're named for, many female criminals have used the promise of love to trap and kill their victims. These men believed they'd found the person they would spend their lives with, Instead, they had wandered right into the web of a deadly predator. Throughout this month, I'm taking a look at the world's most notorious black widows. In these episodes, I'll uncover what made these women decide to murder the people they'd vowed to love and cherish. We'll detail the specific methods they used to carry out these ends. And finally, we'll explore what made their respective prey susceptible to the charms of a predator in disguise. Today we're discussing Belle Gunness, dubbed Belle the Butcher, and the Mistress of Murder Hill. Belle reportedly lured dozens of suitors to her Indiana farm. None of them were ever seen or heard from again. When a fire burned down Belle's farmhouse, it appeared she perished in the blaze. But once investigators started digging, they found the truth was even more awful. More on Bell Gunness after this. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to our Black Widow. Before Belle Gunness became the mistress of Murder Hill, she appeared to live a rather unremarkable life. After emigrating from Norway as a child, 23-year-old Belle moved to Chicago and married Max Mads Sorensen in 1883. They had two surviving biological children, Lucy and Myrtle, and one adopted, Jenny. You could say life was pretty sweet. For nearly five years, Belle and Mads ran their confectionery in relative tranquility. But then, in 1898, tragedy struck when their candy shop burned to the ground. It wasn't all bad news, though. Bell collected a tidy insurance payout from the accident. After this point, it seems Bell set her sights on an income stream that was a little more robust than selling sweets. In 1900, her beloved husband Mads died rather suddenly after complaining of illness and suffering convulsions. Perhaps Belle was devastated by the loss, but the blow was softened by the hefty life insurance payout she received, which would be worth around $260,000 today. With her new nest egg, Belle bundled up her three daughters and left the big city for rural Indiana, where they settled on a farm just outside of Laporte. For some time, the little women only had each other for company. Then, in 1902, Bell married her second husband, Peter Gunnis. Less than a week after this addition, the family suffered another loss. Peter's seven-month-old daughter from an earlier marriage suddenly died after being left alone with her new stepmother. By that December, just a few months after their nuptials, Peter Gunnis was dead as well. Bell claimed that a heavy meat grinder had fallen from a high shelf, struck him in the head, and killed him. However, the odds of that seem pretty slim. And once again, she was able to collect on a sizable insurance claim. Taken together, it seems much more likely that Bell had a hand in his death, even though a formal inquest found it was an accident. After Peter's death, Newly-widowed Belle pivoted to a new strategy. She took out personal classified ads in Scandinavian newspapers throughout the Midwest. In the postings, she said she was a widow with a farm looking for a well-situated man to join fortunes with. In truth, she was seeking something much more sinister. Belle made sure to stipulate in the ads that she would only consider serious suitors who were willing to come to her farm and bring money so they could start their lives together. She lured suitors to her homestead in this way for years, but it was murder, not marriage, that she had in mind. None of her suitors left the farm alive. This proved to be a far less cumbersome way of generating money than marrying and collecting insurance payouts. Whenever people asked her questions about a missing relative or friend, Bell provided an answer that was convincing enough. But in early 1908, Osla Helgelane began writing to Bell, urgently inquiring about the whereabouts of his brother, Andrew. Andrew had arrived at Bell's farm a few months prior with the equivalent of about $80,000 in cash and promptly disappeared. Osler wasn't satisfied when Belle assured him that Andrew had left her farm a week after arriving. From there, things really started to unravel. Belle fired her farmhand, Ray Lamphere, and publicly accused him of threatening to burn her house down. Then she purchased five gallons of kerosene. The very next morning, her house went up in smoke. Lamphir was convicted of arson. When Asla Helgelain heard about the fire, he immediately suspected foul play. He rushed to Laporte and demanded that the authorities search Bell's entire property. That was when the true horrors began. Over the next several days, no less than 10 dismembered bodies were uncovered, buried around the farm in gunny sacks. Just as Osla feared, his brother, Andrew, was among the deceased. Bell's other victims included John Moe, a suitor from Minnesota who showed up in Laporte around 1907 with the equivalent of about $31,000 in cash as a wedding gift. Bell kept the gift, but there was no wedding. There were also the remains of a man named Ola Budsberg who left his Wisconsin home in 1907 with a $3,000 bank draft, worth about $80,000 today, never to return. Perhaps most heinously, the authorities found the body of Jenny Olson, Bell's adopted daughter, whom she claimed had moved to Los Angeles in 1906. Autopsies conducted on the fresher bodies found an abundance of two poisons in their stomachs, arsenic, and strychnine. From the macabre aftermath, it appeared that Bell had lured at least 12, and possibly up to 40, men to her farm. Likely, she killed most of her would-be husbands within hours of their arrival. Bell's victims might have been looking forward to home-cooked Norwegian meals, just like their mother used to make. But Belle added one killer secret ingredient. Once they were out cold, Belle bludgeoned them to death and butchered them, just like she did her hogs. After that, she stashed the body parts in sacks and buried them around her farm. For five years, no one was the wiser. But what the police found at the grisly scene made her murderous deeds abundantly clear. This information painted the tragic fire that burned down Bell's farmhouse in April of 1908 in a completely new light. Maybe the headless fire victim wasn't Belle Gunness at all. It seemed possible, even likely, that she had lured another poor woman to her death, cut off her head, and faked her own death. Bell's farmhand, Ray Lamphere, made a deathbed confession that gave credence to this theory. With his dying breath, he claimed that he'd helped Bell find a body double for just this deadly purpose. Many Laporte residents who saw the charred body recovered from the farmhouse were adamant that it was far too small to belong to Bell. In 2007, the body was exhumed and tested against DNA from one of Bell's letters, but the results were inconclusive. Sightings of Belle the Butcher continued for decades after the fire. In 1931, a lookalike named Esther Carlson made news in Los Angeles when she died while awaiting trial for poisoning a wealthy man. Perhaps Belle Gunnis did perish in that fateful fire, and reported sightings are just the stuff of urban legend. As we've established, there are plenty of black widows willing to resort to murder for profit. But the Esther Carlson case certainly has eerie echoes of the horrors that took place on that farm in Indiana. It may be that Belle made it all the way out to California, only to finally become fatally tangled in her own web. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our month-long Black Widow watch. For more villainous women, you can catch episodes of Female Criminals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts.